What I want to do now, as I told you two weeks ago, uh, that I want to talk about in light of all that we've looked at, you know, Mystery Babylon, all the, the evidence for those things, um, is the hour late? Uh, we, I think most people agree that it is. I picked up a, a copy of a book. I don't know yet whether or not to recommend it. It has some very good endorsements. I just kind of stumbled across it last week and started reading it. And I don't think it's problematic in any sense, but um, it's written by a former chaplain of our military, Colonel David uh, Giamona, I believe is his name. And the book is called uh, The Military Guide to uh, Armageddon. And what he does is he takes military principles and he applies those to making preparations for the last days, things he learned. And he was a big dog, served in uh, several wars uh, over in Afghanistan uh, um, and was later became, uh, oversaw all the chaplains on 75 different bases worldwide. And a thoroughgoing believer, uh, again, with some good endorsements, and I've been reading through some of that, that particular book. But one of the things he starts off by saying is the church is not prepared for what's coming. He said the church is not prepared for what's coming. We've been talking about this since last January, long before COVID. We've been talking about these things, and I've had a conviction for a long time that the church in America in particular is not uh, prepared for what's coming. Uh, and he goes on to say America is in for the worst days. Uh, no, he says the church is, a, is about to face the worst time it's ever faced. Now, I don't know about the timing as we've talked about, uh, but um, he's looking at it from uh, a, a believer's perspective. He's looking at it from the military component and how to be ready for something. And so I like so far what I've read and what do you say. But it is true that the reason we talk about these things and have spent such extensive time is because um, as a shepherd, I don't want you to be taken by surprise. I don't know if anything will happen in our lifetime that will, will push us to that point uh, ultimately of Armageddon. But I will say this, if it does, and I believe things are happening so fast, we could get, we could get, we could get there a lot faster than we used to think. Hello? And I, I want you, look, my people perish for lack of knowledge, the Scripture says. And so I, I want you to be prepared. I, when he, he made that statement, I thought, yep, that's been my goal in, in this is preparation. And I know you can overkill something. You can overwork it. And uh, certainly this is one of those areas where you can. But I think when you just see the convergence of so many different things going on in our world that have happened so quickly, uh, they had a, a, a pretty significant earthquake in L.A. this week. Did you all know that? and rocked and shook everything uh, out there. Um, we're having the proliferation of active volcanoes like we've never seen before. Um, various places in the globe. There are just so many things that just match up to Jesus' statements about the birth pangs. And so, um, I, by the way, you don't live in fear. Fear doesn't get you anything, does It's like worry. What have you changed by worry? You've changed your doctor's bill. That's about the only thing you change. 
you know, because you, you give you an ulcer and everything else, you end up dying. So there's no point living in fear, but we dare not live in ignorance, right? Uh, we don't live in fear, but we don't want to live in ignorance. So that's what all of this has been about. But we're rapidly coming to the end of what we've been talking about. And so tonight, I want to, I want to answer this question. Has America been warned? And is God speaking to America? Now, what do you think, class? Has, has America been warned? Um, do you think God is speaking to us? Yeah, I, I think to ask those two questions, we really kind of already know the answer, don't we? That America has been, been warned and God is speaking. Now, uh, that's the simple a answer. So what I want to do is show you a couple of examples. So if you've got your Bibles open to 2 Kings, I did say 2nd, did I say 1 Kings or 2 Kings? Yeah, 2 Kings 17. Uh, I want to show you something here because I, uh, what I want you to know is that we can see this pattern in Scripture that before God allowed wrath or judgment to be expressed, He always warned the people. And he didn't just, look, he didn't just warn a segment. He warned a nation. He would war and that was certainly true of Israel. So let me tell you, um, in chapter 17 here, um, the wrath of God is about to be expressed and, uh, on Israel. Um, and it's very simple. It is because... They have refused to obey God. They have refused to follow his edicts and his instruction and his and the kings were evil. And and consequently, God does have a threshold um, where he where he says, enough is enough. This Sunday, should I be here? Um, and if not, the next Sunday, I'm gonna preach a, a message entitled Wheat and Weeds. Wheat and weeds. It's a parable. And we're still in the myth series. But the myth is this, that a loving God would not allow a person to go to hell. And we hear that a lot in this kind of culture. Well, if he's a God of love, he wouldn't send anybody to hell. The, the parable of the wheat and the weeds tells another story. And I'm going to be talking about a, a, a number of things. I'm not going to preach so much on heaven. You know, you don't have to convince anybody in this culture that there's a heaven. Everybody says, oh yeah, heaven. But if you start talking about hell, uh, you'll get various responses like, well, hell is, hell is right here on earth. I believe in heaven, but hell's right here on earth. Yeah. Or hell is what you, you, how you make your life or that kind of stuff. But the Bible, there's just like there's a real heaven, there's a real hell. And hell, I, I, by the way, I said it this past Sunday, God doesn't send a person to hell. Y'all remember when I made that statement? Did that shock you? God doesn't send a person to hell. A person sends themselves to hell by rejecting what God has done for them. And uh, so... My, my point in even telling you this kind of as an introduction is the, there is sometimes a mindset that, well, because God is loving, he won't ever express his wrath against me. But God does have thresholds 
in which he says, okay, I've given you grace and mercy and time, 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 and warnings. My plan is this. There is a fixed time. The Bible says there's a fixed time when Christ will return. It's a fixed time. And that gets us to the place where God says, I've given you time. I've given you warnings. Um, I've given you opportunity. I've, I've expressed my grace and mercy. You've, still, you've rejected all of those things or refused them or haven't aligned uh, your life with me. And the, time, the clock's run out. It has nothing to do with, a, with vengeance or anger as much as it is uh, the expression of his holiness at a certain point in time, the expression of his holiness. And uh, we call it wrath, but it really is an expression of his holiness where he finally says here, the time, I've given, you all the, I've given you all this time. So what you see here is one of the warning signs that came to Israel or, or the first warning, and it had consequences. Okay, uh, So let's pick up in verse uh, 6. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria, uh, the king of Assyria captured Samaria. That's the northern kingdom. You know, Judah, uh, I mean, Israel was divided into two kingdoms, a northern and a southern. Judah was the southern, and uh, Samaria was a part of, and the city of Samaria was the capital of the northern um, uh, uh, kingdom. And so it says that the king of Assyria captured Samaria and he carried the Israelites away to Assyria and he placed them in Halah um, and on the, the, the Habor, the river of Gozan, uh, and in the cities of, of the Medes. So, uh, so the northern kingdom of Israel falls to the king of Assyria. Most of the uh, uh, Israelites were taken captive into Assyria, says, and they were they were placed. And then, do you know what they populated the northern uh, kingdom with? With Assyrians. And do you know later on, uh, by the New Testament age, you know what those people that had come down and replaced many of those Israelites? Not all of them were taken to Assyria. You know what they called them? Samaritans. Those, that's who became the Samaritans that you would know of in the New Testament. Okay, Look on. It says in verse 7, And this occurred, here's the explanation, And this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and uh, had feared other gods, and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel, and in the customs that the kings of Israel had practiced. And the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord their God things that were not right. They built for themselves high places in all their towns, from watchtower to fortified city. They set up for themselves pillars and asherim on every high hill and under every green tree. And there they made offerings on the high places as the nations did. Do you Have you noticed something... God's people are always to be distinctively different than the rest of the world. Did you notice twice he said they acted like the rest of the world? Okay? And so he says, and, um, and there they made uh, offerings in high places as the nations, just like everybody else did, whom the Lord carried away before them. And they did wicked things, provoking the Lord to anger, and they served idols. That's one of the great wicked things of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this. Don't do this. When God says don't do something, don't do it. 
Yet the Lord, here, here we go, verse 13, the Lord warned Israel and Judah. Now, the northern kingdom was referred to as Israel. The southern kingdom was referred to as Judah. Both of them made up what we call Israel, okay? But by this time, when they split, the northern uh, kingdom was referred to as Israel, the southern as Judah. But, okay, so the Lord warned both the northern and the southern kingdom of the nation of Israel. Look, look at this. By every prophet and every seer saying, turn from your evil ways and keep the, my commandments and my statutes in accordance with all the law that I commanded your fathers that I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Look at verse 14. But they would not listen, but were stubborn as their fathers had uh, been who did not believe in the Lord their God. And they despised his statutes and his covenants that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. And they went after false idols and became false. Uh, and they followed the nations that were around them concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves metal images of two calves. And they made uh, an Asherah and worshiped at the host of heaven and served Baal. And they burned their, look at this. And they burned their sons and their daughters as offerings and used divination and omens and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was uh, very angry with Israel. Uh, somebody said to me a couple of years ago, somebody said, you know, I disagree with something I heard you say. And they said, God doesn't get angry. I said, you don't know your Bible. There are numerous places where we see God, the Scripture saying God was angry. Uh, that doesn't mean God's not a loving God, but God had a righteous kind of anger. Uh, and that's what he had with Israel. And you remove them out of his sight. I'm in verse 18. None was left but the tribe of Judah only. Okay, the southern kingdom was still survived, okay? So Assyria conquered the northern kingdom, all right? Judah also did not keep the commandment. Here he says, but the southern kingdom didn't keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the customs that Israel had introduced. They adopted what Israel was judged for, all right? And they would later, okay, it, okay. Uh, verse 20, they rejected all the uh, descendants of Israel and afflicted them and gave them into the hand of plunderers until uh, he cast them out of his sight. And when he had torn Israel from the house of David, all right, from the southern kingdom, they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. And Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit great sin. Leadership uh, at the top, listen. Do I need to say more about that? Uh, the people of Israel walked in all the sins that Jeroboam, their leader, their king did. And they did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight as he had spoken by all his servants, the prophets. So Israel was exiled from their own land to Assyria until this day. That is until the writing uh, that's, that's offered there. That's a pretty significant passage, isn't it? About how God's judgment fell down upon them. And did you notice something is reiterated there? God kept warning them. God kept warning them. God kept warning them. And so in this case, what happened was the judgment fell to the northern king, uh, kingdom of Israel. Okay? Now... That most likely is because they were the pace setters in wickedness. But you notice 
that Judah, after, after Assyria conquered the, the northern part of Israel, it says that Judah, they didn't repent, did they? Instead, what did they do? They, they, they elected a wicked king. And what else did they do? They adopted the idolatry of the northern kingdom. So here's where I'm going with that. Uh, the northern, the northern uh, conquest by Assyria was a warning and a first kind of expression of, are y'all getting it? Are y'all with me? You understand? So God says, okay, they set the pace in, in the evil, so God dealt with them to warn, the, though they had been warned too, but to warn now Judah, do you see what's going on? Do you? And what does Judah do? They don't do anything except become more wicked, uh, more distant from God. But the key uh, uh, right here is that this is a first wake-up, uh, and it was, it was limited in scope. Now, when God, typical, uh, you know, God do it however he wants, but when you study this, you typically see that God warns his people and the warnings get progressively more severe. Hello, America. The warnings get progressive. So, you know, it's like a parent with a child saying, now, don't do that again. And then they do, and the parent says, don't do that again. And then they do it again and then say, okay, now you're going to stay in your room for the next two years. Well, maybe not. You understand what I'm saying? So uh, the discipline becomes what? More severe if the lesson isn't learned or the warning isn't heeded. Are you all with me? Okay. Now, I want you to go over to Isaiah chapter 9. So Isaiah starts warning Judah. And this is in a period of, I don't know, it depends on who you read, but uh, just within a matter of a few, uh, perhaps even only a couple of three decades, the warnings, the prophets have spoken, and Judah now continues to be what, what the northern kingdom was. Look at verse 8. The Lord has sent word against Jacob, and it will fall on Israel. And all the people will know, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say in pride and in arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen, but we will build with dressed stones. The sycamores have been cut down, but we will put cedars in their place. But the Lord uh, raises the adversaries of Risen against him and stirs up his enemies. The Syrians on the east and the Philistines on the west devour Israel with open uh, mouth. For all this, his anger has now turned away and his hand is stretched out still. Did you catch that? Even though he is disciplining them and he's bringing them under discipline to uh, the Philistines and the Syrians, he still says, but my hands, my hands 
are stretched out to you if you'll just turn to me. By the way, that's what gives us hope. If we'll just turn to him, his hand is still stretched. Verse 13, the people, here's the sad news for them, the people did not turn to him who uh, struck them, nor inquire of the Lord of hosts. So the Lord cut off from Israel head and tail, palm, branch, and reed in one day. Do you remember what we studied about mystery Babylon? In one day, your judgment falls. That's a little chilling, isn't it? Now, this is a fascinating passage because I believe it's one of those passages that speaks to events that happened at the time, but foreshadowed events that would happen in the future prophetically. Some of you are familiar with Jonathan Kahn. Uh, he wrote a book called The Harbinger. How many of you have seen that book or uh, that or read that book, The Harbinger? He's got a Harbinger too, and and this and uh, he he uh, his teaching on this passage is fascinating. He's a Messianic Jew, and he talks about this passage. By the way, I heard him speak long before he was an author. Anybody knew on this passage. And he compares it to some of the things that happened, by the way, at 9-11. And these statements that are made here are chilling because we had politicians who stood at ground zero and said and, and, and spoke this passage, the bricks have fallen, but we will rebuild. And you know there was a tree. I've been there. I've seen it, um, the place where there was a tree uh, near one of the churches at Ground Zero that kept uh, some of these massive iron girders from crushing through this historic church. By the way, it is the church where George Washington worshipped on the day of his inauguration. It has a rich history. And this tree kept it there, but it killed the tree um, that fell down. And it, it, was a, it was a sycamore tree. And you know what? When they replaced it, they replaced it with a cedar tree. And um, isn't that interesting? And um, there was this uh, almost defiance uh, when that happened. Let me, I want to read something to you here. Let me, let me get to it. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, Standing on the floor of the Senate one day after 9-11, Senate Majority Leader Tom Daschle opened his mouth and, and spoke these words. It is with pain, sorrow, anger, and resolve that I stand before this Senate, a symbol for 212 years of the strength of our democracy, and say that America will emerge and uh, emerge from this tragedy as we have emerged from all other adversity. We will emerge united and strong. Nothing can replace the losses that have been suffered. I know that there is only the smallest measure of inspiration that can be taken from this devastation. But there is a passage in the Bible from Isaiah that I think speaks to all of us at times like this. The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with dressed stones. The fig trees have, fall, uh, have been felled, but we will replace them with cedars. And that's what we will do. We will rebuild. We will recover. 
The, the people of America will stand together because the people of America have always stood together. And those of us who are privileged to serve this great nation will stand with you. God bless the people of America. Now, that was a perfect time to use this passage, but it was spooky too. First of all, he's not known for his Bible scholarship. Number two, it still reeks of American kind of arrogance. We're America. We've always come through. We'll always come through. That's the problem Israel had. We're Israel. We're God's people. And so it doesn't matter what happens to us. We'll be okay because of who we are. There is that same undertone, I'm afraid, too often uh, in America. Instead, what America needs is a bit of humble pie. Hello? Uh, to say, we are America, but God, we depend on you. That's the way to, that um, I think Americans should, should approach God. God, we are Americans. By the way, I'm proud to be an American. But I know this, America's no match for God if God says, I'm tired of this. You understand? And that's what Israel would do. They would say, we're, we're Israel. And that's what they were saying right there. Now, let me, let me do something here. We've got a few more minutes. Uh, so this Isaiah 9 is the second wake-up call. It's a little distant from the first one, years down the road, but the defiance has continued. And so this time, by the way, it was far more severe and, um, and, and sudden in a day. It was far more severe and sudden. Now, uh, when God wakes a people up, a nation up, as I said, he doesn't just wake a group up. He doesn't just say, I'm going to wake this group up here. You know what he does? When he brings his discipline, it's on the entire nation. That's why Jesus said it, uh, the, uh, it rains on the just and the unjust. You say, well, how about that remnant? Yeah, how about the remnant? The remnant still suffers with the rest. Hello? I mean, you think about this. If our economy goes belly up, now, God has promised to take care of us, right? But it doesn't mean it won't impact you. You, you understand what I'm saying? So there is impact even to the, the followers uh, of God when God expresses his kind of discipline to his people. He warned them. Um, and God has never, in my view, God has never let his people remain clueless before something. So he's warned. So the question is, uh, how does God warn us? What do you think? How does God warn us? You have any, you have any ways that you would you would say this is how God warns us? Somebody tell me one. Say that again. Okay, the word of God itself. God uses His word to speak to us, right? And that's a part of knowing, looking, being able to look. What else does He What else does He use to warn us? He can use uh, uh, difficulties and tragedies. What else? Disasters. I'd, I'd probably put that under here. 
But yeah, disasters. Disasters of all sorts. I'd say natural, even, even man-created disasters. Uh, what else? Come on now. Don't make me keep y'all here another 45 minutes. How about this? Pan. They did a survey of Americans and they asked them this question. Do you believe the pandemic has any correlation to the end of the age? You know, the majority of them said yes. Uh, Christians that they surveyed. Uh, what else does God use to warn us? Well, I, I would put that under this category. You're right. 9-11, uh, events, those kind of things. He can use signs. And we certainly know that Jesus talked about that. Signs in the heavens. And he said, on earth. Right? Um Persecution. Well, immorality. Yeah, I think immorality, by the way, that's Romans 1, where he says uh, because they exchanged uh, the natural affections that God gave them over. Sometimes the judgment is God says, I'm just going to let you I'm going to let you experience the con And it says they experience the consequence in their own bodies. That's a form of judgment and warning. Uh, there's one that nobody said. I'm very disappointed that... Huh, what? Preachers! Thank you, Ryan. Did you notice in the passage that in 2 Kings, it mentioned a, a couple of times... I sent you the prophets. I kept sending you the prophets to warn you, to warn you, to warn you. The, the messengers. Do you know what they did uh, eventually with some of the messengers? They killed them. When Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah proclaimed Babylon is coming to that crowd, when Jeremiah proclaimed that to they hated him for it. And you know what they did? They, this is modern-day America. They hated him for it, and so they went out and found prophets that would say what they wanted them to say. And they told Jeremiah that, well, we got prophets that tell us this and tell us how great we are and how good it is. And Jeremiah said, they're false. And, and so they threw him in a pit, but God delivered him from the pit. We do. We, we do. There's, there's no question. Uh, and so uh, one of the ways God, God does is through, through uh, uh, preachers, uh, through his word, and through uh, uh, catastrophes and signs and pandemics and all of those kinds of things. Now, I've got to wrap up for tonight. And next week, um, if, provided I'm here, if not the two weeks after that, um, what we will do is um, I'm going to finish up because we've got a few more things. But let me just kind of see if I can bring this uh, to some conclusion tonight. So he uses pre preachers. He uses pandemics or, or 
and tragedies, and he uses his word to warn us. Uh, by the way, that's why you need to know the word so you can recognize the indicators, right? And, and by the way, since I'm about to have a, a little one that's going to be birthed, and we're waiting for her to start having birth pangs, right? And ladies understand this a whole lot better than us men, but we, we at least we know the concept, we guys, and that is that the closer the birth comes, the closer the pangs come, right? It's closer and closer because our daughter told us, and I said, every once in a while I have a little uh, uh, contraction, but it's nothing and it's not close to anything. It'll just be kind of random. And she said, if I went, to the, uh, I went to the hospital, they'd send me home. But when it's time, right, those contractions, you start, you start time. I, let me tell you a funny one. Uh, when our, my wife was in the, uh, preparing to deliver our daughter, um, she was in the birthing suite, and this was um, 30-something years ago now. And um, I will never forget, they had the monitor. I had her hooked up to a monitor, and you could see when the contractions, you know, on those monitors, you can tell it starts building. It starts building. And um, my, my mentor is in the room at that point in time because we're a ways from the birthing bar. He's in there, and he's watching the monitor, and he's standing there, and Allison's in the bed, and, and he starts going, <laughs> ooh. Oh, here comes, oh, this is going to be a big one. Here comes a big one. And I thought, that's probably not the thing to be saying to her right now. And so she's, he's scaring her to death. Whoa, 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 hang on. Here comes a big one. <laughs> I like that. Well, the closer you get to the birth, the bigger the birth pangs or the more intense they are. Does that make sense? So that's why you, if, you and I can say this. The birth pangs aren't the return. They're not, they are telling us it's coming. And so when we look out there today, we say, wow, have you noticed how many of those things suddenly seem to have multiplied and seem like they're getting faster and more intense with all of them? It's exactly what we see manifest in the warnings of God to Israel. And there are consequences to warning. By the way, if you don't heed the warning, the next warning gets a little more severe and the next one a little more severe. Um, you know, we started years ago, I think, with the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. Y'all remember that? The cars under the deck? And yeah, well, okay, some people, a few people died, we said, but you know, that's just a um, I just overlooked it, moved on. And then 9-11, I mean, we all know about that. It changed our world, didn't it? And then there were, there were natural disasters like Katrina. Y'all remember Katrina and all the damage Katrina did? And then the economic collapse of 2008. I mean, um, and I'll share some more of that in a couple uh, weeks with you. And then, of course... Um, COVID-19, COVID-19, do you see how things have gotten progressively more severe? I tell you, God's trying to get our attention big time because he loves us. And he's trying to get our attention before the clock runs out. So he uses his word. He uses catastrophes and tragedies and pandemics and signs in the heaven and earth and persecution and preachers. He uses all of these things to bring a message. And that, I believe, is what he's been doing. 
I believe he's been doing that. But Israel was deaf to that. They, it is why Jesus said this to us. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. He that, because we have, you know, Paul wrote about some religious people, but they, they weren't related to God. They were just religious. And he said this, always learning, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. They, they were always learning, but they were learning the wrong stuff. My people perish for lack of knowledge. And so, so Israel, it wasn't that they didn't have warnings. It wasn't that they didn't have the information. They had all of that. But life was pretty good until suddenly the Assyrians attacked. Life was pretty good until suddenly the Babylonians attacked. And by that time, it's too late. The consequences manifest themselves. And so the question is, uh, is America in that process? I believe we are. I believe we are. Well, we'll stop there. We'll pick back up in a couple of weeks. And we're going to finish. My goal is either next week or the week after that to finish up. And then we're going back to our book survey studies that, uh, that we did and had a lot of fun with.